we're glad you've chosen to listen to our weekly talkback. The weekly talkback is designed to take a portion of the teaching from this week to a deeper level. You may want to listen to this week's teaching, but it isn't necessary to understand the weekly talkback. If you'd like to connect further, feel free to reach out to us through our website, kanoichurch.org. For now, enjoy the weekly talkback from Kanoi Church, where our mission is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. This is going to be the same intro for all of the upcoming weekly devotional videos. Uh, in January of 2022, we did a question and answer Sunday, and you guys submitted so many questions, there was no way that I could possibly answer them all in a Sunday service. So what we decided to do instead was answer as many as I could in that Sunday service and take the rest and make them weekly devotionals. So what you are about to see is a question submitted by members of the congregation Four question and answer Sunday, but we're going to be answering these over an extended period of time. So I hope that you enjoy this weekly devotional. I hope that you are having a fantastic day. And if you have any questions about Kanoi Brethren in Christ Church, if you want to get involved in some way, shape, or form, feel free to check out our website, kanoichurch.org, or email me at nick at kanoi.org. Have a great day. Well, good morning. I hope you have your coffee. My coffee cup today says squeeze the day i think it's meant for something other than coffee like it has lemons on it so maybe it's supposed to be for lemonade or tea or something but today it's coffee um today our question comes from our online community and uh, and i'll just i'll start by reading the question uh, i'll see if i can put it on the screen for you so you can read along with me question is this we as the, ch- the church as a whole we seem to have the understanding that we cannot fully grasp god and his knowledge We also seem to want to reduce God down to a certain set of beliefs. So while we cannot fully understand God, we make bullet points of how God works. This seems to be at odds for me. We seem to systemically take out the wonder and unknowing about God from our faith. I feel like wonder and unknowing about God is an important function about God that we leave out. How do we leave room for the wonder about God without becoming completely wishy-washy about our faith? How do we not reduce God to just a set of beliefs? How do we leave room for not knowing how God works without risking being a reed swayed by the wind? <clears throat> All right, so a couple of references here that I think is important for us to talk about before I try to give an answer. And once again, this question gets at my opinion. So you could ask this question to a panel of 10 pastors and get 10 different answers. Uh, but here's Here's the answer I'll give. First, let's talk about a reed swaying by the wind, because that seems to be a a quote. So where does that come from? And that comes from Matthew chapter 11. And in Matthew chapter 11, Jesus is talking about John the Baptist, and he's making some references. And uh, and he says um, about John to a crowd of people, he says, what did you go out into the wilderness to see? Did you go out to see a reed swayed by the wind? Uh, if not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear fine clothes are in the king's palaces. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. And so Jesus is is reflecting on John the Baptist, and, and what he says is he says, 
Uh, did you go out to see a reed swayed by the wind? And when he says it this way, it certainly has a negative connotation to it, as in you don't want to be a reed swayed by the wind or you wouldn't be going out to the wilderness. You wouldn't make the journey to the wilderness to see this guy, John the Baptist, if he was a reed swayed by the wind. So what, what does that mean? Um, so a reed swayed by the wind would be somebody who kind of moves back and forth, whatever way the wind blows, uh, that's what he believes. That's what he goes with. And what we would say is that a person who is a reed swayed by the wind is somebody whose uh, maybe ethics or morals or integrity is not resolute or firm. They, they simply change their beliefs depending on whatever's happening around them. And so they, it's kind of like a reed being blown by the wind rather than say like an oak tree. If a wind hits an oak tree, um, certainly the level of wind that it would take to move a reed to an oak tree, it's not going to do anything. Maybe blow its leaves a bit. Uh, a very, very strong wind that comes along is maybe going to move the branches, but it's not going to make the tree sway like a reed in the wind. Um, and so I think, I think that what Jesus is doing is saying, be a person whose ethics, whose, whose morals, whose beliefs are firm and are resolute. Because that, that is what John was. That's what John the Baptist was. That's why people went out to see him. So when we say, like when the question asks, um, how do we leave room for not knowing how God works without risking being a reed swayed by the wind? In some ways, the question is saying, if we have questions, or let's say we have a lack of answers, does that make us somebody who is swayed in the wind like a reed, somebody whose faith isn't resolute and firm? My short answer is, is no. Now, the other thing that I wanted to, to make mention of is there, the question asks about the mystery of God. And, and if you were to go back and look at our, um, our series that we did on the book of First and Second Timothy, uh, and I can't remember what we called that series, but um, I'll put it on the screen if I can can remember when I'm doing the editing. Uh, there's a word. So in in First Timothy chapter three, uh, verses eight to thirteen, there's a paragraph, and it's the qualifications for being a deacon. And so a deacon and an elder are the two things that it's talking about. Those are two of the positions in the church, two of the leadership positions in the church, and and it says here that a a deacon must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. And what is mystery? Uh, it is the word mystery, quite literally. Uh, it's a great translation. It's musterion. Uh, it kind of looks like uh, mysterion. That's what it looks like if you were to see the Greek word there. And what it's talking about is sort of the, the things that we don't understand about the faith. Like the, the age-old question. Why do bad things happen to good people? Why, why does God allow the innocents to suffer? Um, those are those are really hard questions. Those are deep questions. Those are big questions. Those are the the sort of questions that make people kind of want to throw the whole thing out the window, you know. Um, but there's something, you know, as as Paul is writing these letters to a young pastor, he says, "Look, your leaders in the church, they should be able to hold the mystery of God." with their faith and be okay with it. So I think this question is getting at kind of a difficult truth. We should recognize that there are things that we don't know 
and we won't know, and we need to be okay with that. And and what we've done in in our culture, our, I would say our Western culture, because I feel like I can speak to Western culture because that's the culture that I'm in. Um, I don't know that I know enough to speak about lots of other cultures in depth. In Western culture, we like having answers. You know, we like to have uh, a certain equation that says, look, this variable and this variable get this answer. And, uh, and so like we write books like this one here is a systematic theology book. Uh, it's, it's by Wayne Grudem. This happens to be usually that's a, a book that you would pick up in seminary level courses and systematic theology is, is really an interesting, it's an interesting sort of idea. Systematic theology sort of takes the Bible and says, uh, throw out context and throw out history. We're going to make whatever the Bible says completely applicable to right now, right here, today. Uh, it's talking to me. And, and it sort of says, too, that if I take all of the different pieces of the Bible and I put them in the right order, I can create that equation of of A plus B equals C. And as long as I have all the pieces and all the information I will have an answer. Uh, I personally don't buy into that. There's a couple of different types of theology that are out there. Systematic theology would be at the bottom of my list if I was looking to try and explore a book of the Bible, a passage, a letter, um, something that was giving me some struggles or troubles. Systematic theology would be at the bottom of my list. There's there's a couple other ones. One, there's biblical theology. I would definitely subscribe to that. And biblical theology takes the lessons of the Bible and has us sort of reflect on these larger theological questions. And so if you're asking the question, why do bad things happen to good people? We might jump into the Bible, open it up, and we would attempt to let the Bible give us some comfort, maybe some answers in, in um, not necessarily an answer as to why do bad things happen to good people, but in the midst of the bad things happening good people, God is present. In the midst of bad things happening good people, um, God is faithful. You know, those are the sort of answers that we can get from biblical theology. Historical theology is another type of theology, and that really looks at historical context. And if you know me, if you come to our church or you tune in on a regular basis, you know that I hit on historical theology all the time. Context is so important. I, I don't think that you can just take the Bible and make it mean anything you want. I think you have to look at what the author intended when they were writing the letter or the, the, the passage or the poem or the historical description at the time that they were writing it. I think it's important for us to understand that. And so in the midst of that, we also need to look at what else is happening in human history so that we have a better understanding of of why, let's say, the, the Bible is, or the author of a certain book is, is writing about what they're writing about. Uh, lastly, uh, is practical theology. So biblical theology, historical theology, systematic theology, and then practical theology. Practical theology is, uh, is what my master's is in. Uh, it has a different name, but as we were told going through the program, uh, the short name for this would be practical theology. And so obviously, again, 
I definitely subscribe to practical theology. I think that the Bible is has some very practical lessons in it that we can apply to our lives today, but we don't do that apart from biblical theology and historical theology or historical context. Within those two things, there's plenty of, of things that apply to us today, and so we look at the practical lessons of the Bible. So you might go through Proverbs and say, look, there's some really practical things in here that can be directly applied to my life because that's wisdom literature. That's the whole point. King Solomon or um, or Solomon, the, the son of David, is writing down these lessons that he's learned, this wisdom that's been given to him. And, and so that's wisdom that's transferable to our lives today. Or we look at the life of Jesus and his teachings, and he says, look, you, you heard it this way, an eye for an eye, but I'm going to tell you this new thing, and I'm going to tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And again, that's a directly applicable lesson that we can take to our lives. Jesus is telling that to his followers. All that being said, our Western culture wants to take what we see in the Bible and, and make sure we have every single answer. The problem with that is that if you could have every single answer, if you knew exactly what was going on, what God was thinking, why certain things happen, um, if you had an answer to every problem that you came up with in, in, in your life, in theology, as you work through your faith, then what need do you have of God anyway? If you can answer everything, what need do you have of God? You know, in fact, there's this uh, interesting parable that Jesus tells about uh, somebody who's looking for day laborers, right? They, this owner of a, a field goes out and he's he finds people to work for him. And he goes out in the early morning and he agrees to pay them a certain wage and they work all day. And then he goes out at lunchtime and he finds some more workers and he says, I'm going to pay you, you know, a fair wage, a full day's wage as well if you just go out and work for me. And so they go out and work for him. And then he goes out at like three o'clock in the afternoon when there's only a couple hours left in the, in the work day. And he says, please come work for me. And if you do, I'll pay you a full day's wage. And, and they go out and work for him for the, the you know, last couple hours of the day. And, and, and then at the end, when, when the guy who owns the, the, the field or the, the farm, or whatever goes to kind of settle up with everybody and pay them, the people who had been hired on in the morning and were happy to have the work and happy to have a full day's wage, they get upset when the people who came at, at lunchtime and at three o'clock in the afternoon are getting paid the same wage as them. And they're like, how is it fair that we worked all day? We toiled all day. And these people who toiled for two hours and who toiled for half a day are getting paid the same as us. And essentially the owner of the field, uh, who, who is, you know, in, the, in this is obviously is a story, but is supposed to represent God says, uh, what does it matter to you? It's my money. Like if I want to pay them a full day's wage for only being here two hours, what's that to you? You agreed to work for a full day's wage for a full day's work. So what's the problem? You know, in some ways when Jesus tells this story, it's almost like he's saying, look, you might want to know the answer. Why is it that somebody can at the very end of their life choose to follow Jesus and they get all the same eternal rewards as somebody who spent their whole life doing the right thing and following Jesus? And and you're like, wow, that's so unfair. And, and God's essentially saying, look, that's, that's for me to know. What's it matter to you? It's, it's my money. I can pay it out how I want to. There are certain things that are mysteries. And it would seem to me that the Apostle Paul, who would be one of the smartest Pharisees turned apostles that would have been around, also realized there were mysteries of the faith that we needed to learn to be okay with. Now, here's the thing. I don't think it's fair, and I'm not saying the writer of this question was doing this, but I do think our culture does this, 
if you don't have an answer, uh, I would say that there's a thought, there's a mentality that if you don't have an answer to something, then you are a reed blown in the wind. Like, like go back 10 years for me. 10 years ago, I was newly married and I was working as a youth pastor, working on becoming an associate pastor. I had a ministry of to a large number of junior high and senior high youth. We were working on creating a ministry for young adults at that time. Um, there was all sorts of things going on in my life. And if somebody asked me, why do bad things happen to good people? Why, why do innocents sometimes pay the price? I would have given you an answer. I would have tried to give you an answer. And I, I don't know that I would have been a very definitive answer. But if you were to fast forward five years, in that five-year span, I would have lost two daughters and we would have miscarried a son. That's three children. I would have had a different answer at that point. Why do bad things happen to good people? Why do innocents have to suffer? I would have had a different answer because of the experience that I went through. So it is the same with all of us and all that we go through. Our experience in this life changes the way that we interact with God. It changes the way that we think about our faith. It changes the way that we are able to even apply what's been given to us. I mean, think about the fact that you're you're a part of Kanoi in some way, shape, or form because you're watching this devotional. Perhaps you are uh, attending online, perhaps you're attending in person on Sunday mornings, but you're you've come to Kanoi for some reason. Now, let's say that you were a non-believer before you came, okay? What was it? There was a catalyst of some kind, some sort of experience in your life made you go, I need something more. I, I need to be involved in fellowship. I need to be, I need to find a spirituality that fits me. I need to, uh, I need to find out more about God or, or perhaps you listened to the radio or you watched an online preacher and they shared the gospel with you and you said, you know what? I feel convicted and I'm learning that's the Holy Spirit and I want Jesus in my life. And, and you've made that decision. There's a catalyst for all of those things that leads you to where you are today and where you are today undoubtedly you would have a different answer to certain questions, certain mysteries of the faith than you would have had five years ago, 10 years ago. And there's nothing wrong with that. That doesn't mean that you're a, we a reed swayed by the wind. Now, what would a reed swayed by the wind look like? It would look like somebody who, in this group of people, I say I believe these things, I say I do these things, I say these things are important to me. But then when I move to this group of people, I say a completely different thing, an opposite thing is important to me, I believe these things. That's a reed being blown by the wind. That's somebody whose morals uh, don't exist outside certain um, exterior groups in their life. Somebody who has a high level of integrity is somebody whose morals and beliefs exist in every spot of their life. That's a person with high integrity. So even if I'm at work and my coworkers are saying, they're, they're talking about how they like to do X and I don't, I don't feel good about that. Well, then I'm not going to suddenly change my tune or change the way I talk just so that I fit in here. Um, or it doesn't mean that I act one way at church and I act a different way everywhere else. No, you're the same person everywhere you are. And 
and and you're and God God knows who you are in all of those groups. Don't be a reed swayed by the wind. I think that's true, right? I think that Jesus, when he's talking about John the Baptist, he is talking with admiration about what it was that drew people to that prophet. One of the things was that he was not a reed swayed by the wind. But having questions about the mystery of faith, being able to be the sort of follower of Jesus that that can like like Paul is describing when he writes to Timothy, um, deacons must hold the mystery of faith with a clear conscience. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with saying, you know what? I don't know. And if there is one awesome thing that I hope that I can leave you with as a pastor, as somebody who gets to be with you for whatever time God's given me to be with you, it's that it's okay to say, I don't know. It's okay. And beyond that, it's okay to say one thing 10 years ago and another thing five years later. And even now, it's been, it's been six, over six years since we lost Micah, our second daughter. And if somebody asked me today, why do innocents have to suffer and, and why do bad things happen to good people? I'd probably have a different answer yet than I did five years ago than I did 10 years ago. And some of that comes with this wonderful white hair that God's giving me. And some of it comes because my faith in God has deepened over time. I've learned that there are certain things that are worth just being all in about. And there are certain things that I can hold in my hands loosely and say, it's okay that I don't know that. It's okay that you don't know that. It's okay that you're not there. The more important thing for all of us is that we continue to chase after God in the midst of the questions that we have. Do not let the mysteries of faith push you away from God. God is a big God. He's got broad shoulders. He wants you. He wants all of you. He wants your questions. He wants your triumphs. He wants your failures. He wants it all. So don't let any mystery of the faith push you away. And don't, for a second believe that just because there's a book out there that says if I line up all the pieces I get all the answers that you can you can actually do that because if you could do that what need would you have of God a, a biblical understanding of mystery is not a mystery that we solve because we're the greatest detectives a biblical understanding of mystery is something that you hold on to that you don't know that you cannot grasp yet we must find a way, my friends, to hold loosely to certain things this side of heaven. And someday, when God makes his home in New Jerusalem and we are united with him, I believe we'll have all the answers that we need. And I believe we'll need far less answers than we think. Have a great day. Squeeze the day. Hi, this is Pastor Nick. Thanks for listening. I hope something that you heard today was very helpful. If you want to connect with us further, feel free to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, or our website, kanoichurch.org. Sure, I'm glad we're in this together. Mm-hmm.